Good morning, StorySide. Can you hear me now? Good morning, everybody. You glad to be in church this morning? Put your hands together. So good to see each and every one of you in the room. If it's your first time, let me say welcome today. Also, we've got people joining us online. I just looked, and we've got Ali Harden joining us and Patricia Carpenter uh, joining us, Becky Pelkey and Chuck Fancourt, among many others. Would you put your hands together and welcome our online audience today? Joining us literally from around the world, we're so very honored for each and every one of you who are here. Before we get into the Word today, I do want to take just a moment, and I want to pray, um, you know, not to jump in too serious too quickly, but we've got a lot of things going on in our world right now. Things going on overseas, things that are happening here. We've got a storm that's making its way toward the U.S. right now, and, uh, you know, I know many of us in this room wish there was more that we could do physically, uh, but there is power in prayer. And when we unite together today in prayer, our prayers can go places that we can't get to physically right now. And so I think it would be fantastic. Right where you're seated, if you would just bow your head, close your eyes with me, and would you join me in prayer for just a moment? Father, God, we come to you right now with every situation, God, that we're aware of, God, even things that we're not aware of that are happening here in our nation, that are happening around the world, God. God, we feel overwhelmed at times. God, we feel like there's little that we can do at times. But God, that's not true because there is power in prayer, not just a little power, but much power in prayer. And God, right now we're praying really a river of your Holy Spirit that it would go to places that we can't get to physically. God, that you would be a protector. God, that you would be an encourager, that you would be a comfort to those who are dealing with these situations right now. God, we pray for your will and way to be done, God. But we pray, most importantly, that every individual there would realize that you are present with them. God, we give you all the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you're here and you're looking and you're like, that's not Pastor Micah. And I can't see you real well because the lighting, but I know there's disappointment on your face. My name is Justin Metters and uh, I'm going to be with you today. Pastor Mike uh, is not here with us in the building today, but I want to give a shout out quickly to Pastor Micah, Pastor Angel, our entire pastoral staff. Are you thankful for the leadership of our church here? We've got such an amazing team. We are blessed with an amazing church and uh, just want to give honor to where honors do. But in honor of Pastor Micah, I did hear about this Italian restaurant um, this past week and they are serving fake noodles and it's on the menu and it's called impasta. That's not funny. I know. I know. It's the best I've got. I, I tried. I googled corny jokes and that, that's what I came up with. So... I did hear about this one individual, and he went to college, got his degree, was very educated, came right out of college, had this amazing job that he landed, really just kind of went straight to the top of the corporate ladder, great office, suit and tie, corner room, and you know, just leading a lot of great initiatives, and was making a ton of money, and by most people's standards, financially, career-wise, was kind of on top of the world. Uh, but during an economic crisis, there were cutbacks, he got laid off, lost his job, and, uh, but that was good. He was a man of faith, and he told his family, he said, God's going to use this as a setup for something better. He's like, you know what the enemy meant for evil, it's going to be turned around for my good, everything's going to be well. So he starts applying for jobs better than the one he had, because God's going to use this. Uh, but weeks turn into months, and they're living off savings, and he's like, 
okay, he's like, I'm going to apply for the exact same type of job that I have, and we're going to be content in whatever state that we're in, right? And so he starts applying for those, but there's nothing happening. And so he's like, you know what, I'll take one step back so that God can take me two steps forward. And he's just consistent pillar of faith during this whole process. He applies for a bunch of more jobs, but nobody hires him. He starts to panic, you know, months are turning on month after month and he's getting a little nervous. So he starts looking for anything and he hears about a job at a local zoo. So he applies for the job. He shows up and he gives the guy his resume and they have this conversation with the guy at the local zoo. He said, sir, he said, you are so overqualified for this position and I can't pay you anywhere near what you were making before. He's like, I don't think this is the job for you. The gentleman says, sir, he's like, I am desperate. He's like, I promise you I can do a better job at this position than anybody you've ever had in the past. Give me a chance. I need this job. He's like, all right, show up on Monday. So he shows up on Monday, the hiring manager meets him, he takes him to the employee locker room, he throws on this gorilla suit, because that's what they had for him, and he's like, great, I'm the guy twirling the sign out front, right? And so he's like, I'm, I'm going to do this, it's going to be all right. But the hiring manager leads him to the back of the zoo, opens a steel gate, and takes him inside a cage. And he's like, I got to tell you, he's like, the biggest attraction at our zoo was our gorilla and our gorilla passed away a few days ago. He's like, we don't want to disappoint the children until we get a new gorilla. He's like, so I need you to hop up on that rock and just sleep so that nobody is concerned about the gorilla. The guy's like, you have got to be kidding me. He climbs up on the rock, he lays down, a day goes by, and he is so frustrated, cannot believe that this is what his life has come to. And he's sitting there mid-afternoon on like the second day. He looks down, and there's like a five-year-old little boy who is crying. He's not having the type of day at the zoo you like for a child to have. So there's nobody else here. So he crawls down from the rock. He goes down to the glass, and he just starts mimicking the child. Everything the child does, he does. The child stops crying, starts laughing, and it brightens his day, and he feels pretty good about it. So as this kid is leaving, another kid comes up. He does the same thing. The kid loves it. The next day, he does it all day long, and he has become the biggest attraction at the zoo. Everybody's coming around. They're watching him. Everybody loves the gorilla. Well, he decides, let's take it to another level. So he climbs back up on the rock, and there is this vine there. He feels it, and it's sturdy. So he grabs a hold of the vine, and he swings to the rock on the other side. It's kind of fun. The crowd claps. It's a great moment. So he swings back to the other side. They clap even louder. He does it a few times until one time, mid-swing, the vine breaks, and he flies over the cage into the next-door cage where the lion lives. The lion comes down from the rock where he had been sleeping all day. He gets down to him and he pounces on top of the gorilla. And the children and the parents are grabbing their cell phones like, who's going to win? Gorilla lion. This is going to be epic right here. And the gorilla is trying to get the mask off like, I am human. I'm a guy. I'm not equipped for this battle. Somebody help me. But nobody can hear his screams. And the tussle goes on for a few moments. Finally, he gets his hands, his paws, whatever you want to say at this moment, on the gorilla head. And he's about to to pull it off of his head and at that very moment the lion takes his paw he slaps him upside the head he said will you stop struggling or you're going to get us both fired <laughs> because not everything is as it appears to be the most dangerous leap that you can make is the leap to conclusion somebody said sometimes there's imposters Sometimes there's fake news. Sometimes there are things that look one way, 
but in reality, they're a completely different situation. You ever been fooled by an Instagram or Facebook ad and you purchased something and found out that it wasn't nearly as good as the ad depicted it to be? Sometimes things are not quite as they seem to be. Now, I am thankful this morning to tell you that some things are consistent in life. Some things are obvious. Some things are the same all the time. Steve Harvey's mustache, Donald Trump's hair, the Cleveland Browns losing, the Yankees winning. These are things that are consistent in life. You can count on these things. I'm sorry, I'm trying, I'm done. No more jokes. I'm thankful that the gospel is consistent in life. I'm thankful that the gospel works in every generation, on every person, every year, every day, regardless of crisis, regardless of circumstances, regardless of our past, the gospel simply works. I'm thankful that God, God in his goodness, allows us to receive his grace and his mercy. And in spite of our mistakes and our mishaps, he overlooks those and helps us by his grace avoid the judgment seat of God. Instead of being quick to judgment, he's quick to grace, and his grace takes our place uh, in spite of our mistakes. Pastor Chance has already mentioned it. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. But watch this, Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? What he's saying is, you were destined to face judgment. Wages of sin was death. But God stepped in and said, hold on just a moment. I would like to offer you a get-out-of-jail-free card, if you will. I want to offer you my grace, which is sufficient, my mercy, which is more than enough, and I would like to take your place in that judgment seat. Not only does God help us avoid judgment, but he takes it a step farther, and he literally forgives us of our sins. It's not that he's just not going to punish us for them if we accept his grace and put our faith in him, but he says, I want to forgive you of it too. I, I want to justify you otherwise just as if it had never happened. I want to take your mistakes and completely forgive them, eradicate them from the face of your life and give you a new opportunity. These things are consistent in life. Not only does God want to help us avoid judgment, and not only does he want to forgive us of our sins, but he wants us to experience his blessings. And, and I think that's the incredible part of God. It's not that he just looks at us and he's like, all right, I'll forgive you. I'm not going to destroy you. I'm going to give you a little bit of grace, a little bit of mercy. But he's a good, good God. And he's like, I really like to give you a little bit of blessing. You come to church this morning, I don't want you to leave empty-handed. I want to make sure we dump a little bit of blessing on your life. And on Monday and Tuesday, he's right there with you. And he's like, I want you to live a blessed life. Somebody said this, live in the best life, live in the blessed life. And I think it's a true statement. There's literally no life like living for God. Now, there are things that are consistent, there are things that are obvious, there are things that are sure, like the gospel, but there are other things that are not so consistent in life, not so easy to figure out, not so obvious. Now, I had never, I had never wore glasses until a couple of years ago, never needed them, but I started getting headaches, like literally every single day I was getting these horrible headaches, 
And so I, I went to the eye doctor, and when I got there, she put a chart in front of me and asked me to read it. And I was able to read the chart, but I was straining really hard. And so in order to help fix the problem, she put a lens in front of my eyes. And when she did it, it made everything in front of me completely blurry. I could see it a moment ago. I was straining. It was hurting a little bit, but I could see it. I could make it out. But she put a lens over my eyes at first that caused everything to get completely blurry. What I realized was the chart was the same. I was the same. The chair was the same. The distance was the same. But the filter that I was viewing life through, the lens that I was looking through, completely changed my perspective about what I was seeing. Now, here's the reality. When it comes to this whole judgment and forgiveness thing, I really would like you and God and everybody to judge me by my intentions, but I prefer to judge other people by their actions. That's human nature. That's human nature. You don't understand my heart. I meant good. I had good intentions, but so-and-so did what? We don't ask them what they thought, what their heart was, what their intent was. We only judge based off of what we see. In our human nature, we make quick judgments sometimes. Ever met somebody and you had an opinion about them before you even really got to know them, heard their story, or even had a meaningful conversation about them? Why? Because as humans, we are quick to step into a judgment seat that God never called us into. But that's hard, right? Because I'm thankful for forgiveness in my life. And I am so thankful I don't have to sit before the judgment seat of God in my life. But you cut me off in traffic? I'm not sure I'm going to pray the blessings of God on you in that moment. You do me wrong? I have to think about forgiving you. You ought to be judged for what you do because it affected my life. And sometimes we look through multiple lenses depending on what we're looking at. But God calls us to look at everything through the lens of the gospel. So let's, let's read something here in Luke chapter 6, verses 37 through 45. I'm, let me read it quickly. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you used, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like the teacher." Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and when you see yourself, fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Thank you, brother Luke. <laughs> You hypocrites. He like just called it out. Let's talk about judgment and offense and not praying for a blessing. You're a hypocrite. And it's like, okay, thank you. I feel much better after reading that now. But we've been diving in this past few weeks about the gospel according to the book of Luke. And we've been looking at these teachings of Jesus and some of these stories found herein. And, and we can't take part of it without looking at all of it. And, and, and Jesus says, I, I know how you feel about that person. 
and I know they did you wrong, and I, and I realize you like to pronounce judgment on them, and I realize it's easier to withhold forgiveness, and I realize you might not want to pray blessing on them, but he's like, let's try a new lens. Let's look at the situation through the lens of the gospel and let's view them that way and let's see if that changes our response to the situation. No, 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 that's not easy, Jesus, because you don't understand what they did. You don't know how bad they hurt me. You don't know how messed up my life became because of their involvement in it. God, you forgive me and I'll think and pray about this over here. But Jesus told us his prayer for us. Are you ready for this? He said, is that you may be one. He said it like this. He said, how can you love God whom you've not seen when you don't love your brother or your sister whom you have seen? And what he was trying to tell us is that life is really all about relationships. It's about your relationship with God, this vertical relationship that is absolutely so important. And we want to get it right because eternity weighs in the balance and all of this. But he's like, your relationship with God is directly affected by your relationship with other people around you. But your relationship with other people is directly affected by your relationship with yourself and how you view yourself. David is the psalmist king. He kills a lion, a bear, and a giant, and he's this great man of God. We call him the man after God's own heart, Jesus, thou son of David. Do you know what David saw when he looked in the mirror? He said, my sin is ever before me. When David viewed his own life, all he could see was the mistakes, the regret, the remorse that he had for his past, and it affected him. And if you can't learn to get past some of the things in your past, and you can't learn to see yourself as God sees you, it has a tendency of coming out in other relationships in your life. But God would challenge us to try to see ourselves the way he sees us. We are sons and daughters of God. We are children of God. And if we can ever get the picture that Jesus has of us uh, in our own life, it will affect every aspect of our lives. Because those who have been forgiven much tend to forgive much. Those who have been loved much tend to love much. And when you realize how much we needed Jesus and need Jesus and will need Jesus, it affects how we view everybody else. And if I can get my heart right, if I can get this relationship with myself right, I can start getting this relationship with other people right. And when I get that right, it opens up another, just another level of blessing from God. Why? Because I am taking some constraints off uh, and I want to be forgiven and I, and I don't want to be judged. And he says, okay, then don't judge and just forgive. Now, I talked to somebody this week and it was in connection with the scripture because he doesn't stop with this whole forgiveness and judgment and blessing thing he starts liking it to a tree and he's like good trees bring forth good fruit and bad trees bring forth bad fruit talk to this gentleman this week who's got 60 apple trees and he said i got all of these trees he's like but when the fruit came he's like all of the fruit was completely rotted and it was horrible and he's like i thought i'm gonna have to take down all of these trees and just call it quits but he called somebody who knew a little bit about trees, and he's like, what's the problem? What do I need to do? And the gentleman told him, he said, listen, he said, have you nurtured them, and have you put this on them, and have you watered them properly, and have you been taking care of the trees in this way? And he said, no, I haven't, and now they've got bad fruit. I just need to tear it down and start completely over. And the guy told him, no, 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 you don't need to tear it down and start over. 
He's like, you just need to water them. You need to nurture them. You need to take care of them in this particular way. And when you do, it will create an environment where certain insects and bees will come that can help add value to the trees and they can still produce good fruit. But if you're not watering them and you're not nurturing them and you're not taking care of them, it's going to produce an environment uh, where some insects and worms can come in that are not healthy for the tree and it will destroy the trees and yield bad fruit. He said it's not an issue with the tree. It's an issue with how you're taking care of the tree. So here's the reality. I I don't think you were planted bad today. I don't think any of us were, were created with failure just destined for us. I think some of us struggle sometimes because we just haven't nurtured the tree enough. We haven't put enough water on the tree to produce the right kind of fruit. But that's why we do Sunday together. And that's why we have a relationship with God through prayer and through the power of his word. Why? Because we're putting a little bit of water on the tree and we're nurturing the tree because we want the tree to bring forth good fruit. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And so if you're not receiving the fruit in your life like you like to receive, uh, then maybe step into another area and say, God, how can I grow and how can I nurture better? and How can I get more water on the tree so that I can start producing different results? Now, most trees, most trees, as tall as they are above ground, they have that many feet of depth of roots under the ground, okay? I'm not a tree expert, but this is what I read. This is what I've been told. If you see an eight-foot tree, many kinds of trees will have eight foot of roots beneath the ground, and that's how they bring stability. Many types of trees are built this way. Now, the redwood forests, some of the greatest trees in the nation, they are so tall. They're so majestic. They're incredible trees. Did you know that they only have a couple of feet of roots under the ground? They're, They're so shallow with their roots that should be when the storms of life come they ought to fall completely over but very rarely does a tree in the redwood forest come over they just stand how is that possible i don't have a prop this morning so i need some help pastor josiah pastor matt i called on them in the first service they're prepared ready to go they're going to come help me out this morning here's what the redwood trees do come on stand over here for me the redwood trees doesn't have a lot of depth with its roots but its roots go out left and right and its roots connect to the tree next to it and connect to the tree on this side of it and when the storm comes it's not just blowing against my roots but it's blowing against their roots and there becomes strength in numbers and instead of failing and falling apart in the midst of the storm i'm able to stand because i'm connected hang with me for one second why Why are Sundays so vital? Why are being connected to groups so vital? Why is serving on the dream team so vital? Because I realize that there are moments that my roots might not be deep enough to withstand some storms that I'm going to go through in life. And if I spend all of my time not forgiving you and judging you and putting some distance between us, there's going to come this moment in life where I'm going to fall as a tree and I'm not going to be able to withstand. But if I can live the way that God created me to live in community and I can link up with each of you, then no matter what comes, we are better together, we are stronger together, and as a church, we will stand. Thank you, guys. Can I tell you, 2020, 2021, they don't have to destroy you. We can stand this test, we can endure this storm, and we can survive, but let's do it together. Let's do it as a church. Let's do it as 
family. See, when you face these tests, it's easy for it to affect relationships with other people, relationships with our heart. But in all reality, what it really affects is our relationship with God. It really affects our relationship with God. I know we're talking in Luke chapter 6 today, but I really would like to read two verses in Luke chapter 7, just to jump ahead a moment. Luke chapter 7, verses 18 and 19, Jesus has done a ton of miracles and a lot of incredible things have happened. Watch this. John's disciples told him about all of these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who has come or should we expect someone else? John was the forerunner of Jesus. He was the voice crying in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John preached some great messages on repentance. And, and then he said things like, you, you like me as a preacher? He's like, no, 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 there's coming one after me who is mightier than I. His shoes, I'm not even worthy to latch his shoes. He's like, he's like, he's got fire and the power of the Holy Spirit. And you can't wait to see Jesus. And, and then John is preaching and teaching. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes walking down the road and John shouts out, be Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he has the opportunity to baptize Jesus in Jordan. And a dove comes and a voice from heaven. And it's a powerful moment. And John was just mightily used by God. Invested his whole life into Jesus. And all of a sudden, John's followers, by the dozens or the hundreds, I don't know, turn into multitudes, maybe by the thousands. And John is there with Jesus for some of these moments, and it's incredible, and this is what he's lived his whole life for. And he's like, I told you it was coming. Jesus was coming, and this is powerful. And I'm kind of standing here at the right hand of Jesus, and I'm serving alongside of him, and, and this is all amazing. Until John's life takes an unexpected turn, and John ends up in prison. And Jesus doesn't show up on the visitor's list. And John's sitting in prison, rotting in prison, and he's thinking, any day now, Jesus is going to show up and post bail, get me out of here, but he doesn't come. Not only does he not come, but he seemingly just forgets about John. Doesn't even send word to John. Not even a thinking about you card, not even a letter. Everything's going to be all right. Nothing. And John, this individual with great faith, this individual who has given his entire life to this message of Jesus, this individual his faith turns into frustration. And he starts getting a little bit of offended at Jesus. And he's having some issues forgiving this moment with Jesus because he feels like he wasn't done right. He feels like he was done wrong. It's one thing when somebody who doesn't know better and doesn't know the love of Jesus does us wrong. That's one thing. It's another level when it happens sometimes with people we think should be followers of Jesus and shouldn't do it that way. That's tough enough. But when you go through things in life and you only have to look at God and you wonder, God, did, did you do this to me? Those questions, right? Why do bad things happen to good people? God, I'm serving you. I'm giving my life to you. I'm here on Sunday. I showed up to serve God. I'm giving my entire world to you. And this happened. Why are my finances in shambles? 
Why is my marriage on the rocks? Why do relationships with my kids continue to get worse? Why am I having so much issues on the job? God, I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through. 2020, 2021, I thought it was going to get better. We deserved a better year, God, in 2021. 2020 was tough enough, and now here I am struggling in 2021. God, I don't know who else to look at but you. Why are you doing this to me? And if we're not careful, our faith can turn into frustration. And we can begin to harbor these feelings toward God of unforgiveness and bitterness. Now let me say this. John sends messengers to Jesus to ask a question. Are you the one or should we look for another? What's he asking? Are you in a gorilla suit? Are you an imposter? Is this real? Is this fake? But Jesus does not condemn him for asking the question. It's okay to go to God and say, God, I don't understand this. God, I have questions. There's some uncertainty here. I, I don't have this figured out. It, it's okay to say to God, God, I don't like this. I didn't sign up for this. I didn't subscribe for this. This wasn't how I planned my life. It's okay to have those moments and have those feelings that we don't understand. That's all right. But Jesus sends word back to John. And this is what he says. Go tell John. I'm doing miracles. The lame are being cleansed. The blind are seeing. The dead are raising. I'm teaching and preaching. Great things are happening. But tell him, blessed is the man who's not offended by me. <laughs> Wait a minute, Jesus. I thought you were going to tell me midnight, tomorrow night, it's breakout time. I thought you were going to give me a word today and tell me one week from now and everything's going to be better. This too shall pass. Uh, everything's going to be... I thought you told me if I would serve one more Sunday, things would get better, but it didn't. Now watch this. Jesus sends John's followers back to John. That's all he says. I'm healing, doing miracles, teaching and preaching. Blessed is the person who's not offended. Now go tell John that. And when they leave, when they get beyond earshot, watch what Jesus does next. He looks at the multitude that's around him, and he said, never has there been a man like John. I'm proud of that boy. I love that guy. He's amazing. He's incredible. I love John. There's nobody like John. But John never hears those words. John doesn't know that Jesus feels that way. John doesn't know that Jesus said that to the crowd because the only part of the message that John heard was great things are happening, but you're not a part of it. Now don't get offended and just keep being faithful and you're going to die right here in prison. Well, that's not the great message John wants to hear. But Jesus views John in a way that John might not even completely understand. Now, I certainly don't want to add to the text today. That's not my intention. But wouldn't it have been something if there had been a person in that multitude who after hearing those words of Jesus about John would have slipped out to John in prison? I know I'm not supposed to be here. I wasn't told to bring this message. But I thought you should know. Jesus just bragged on you to everybody he saw. And he said he loves you and you're amazing, and there's nobody quite like you, John. Wouldn't it have been amazing if there had been that secret messenger who could have come and given John that word in the moment? 
I've been John before. I've questioned God. I've been hurt. And I've wondered, God, where are you in this mess? I prayed and said, God, I, I don't see your hand right now. God, I don't feel anything right now. God, I'm trying to have faith, but I got to be honest, I got a lot of frustration right now. I've been John. I think there may be some people in this room who've been John. Maybe you're feeling like John right now. Can I tell you, over the course of this week, dealing with this text and in prayer, I've had some moments I feel like alone with God, just wrestling with this text and praying, and I just I feel like I've, I've heard from God. And This Sunday, I want to slip into that role of that messenger. And I've slipped in here to tell somebody, He loves you. He cares about you. He thinks the world of you. And he would tell you today, there's nobody quite like you. And I know all you see is miracles on the outside for everybody else and a little bit of frustration in your own life. And all he's saying is, don't be offended. And you maybe can't hear his voice and maybe you haven't felt his presence in a while. I know there's some frustration, but can I tell you, he loves you. He cares about you. And if you'll hold on a little bit longer, everything's going to be all right. So today, today in this moment, I've come to encourage somebody. If you've been dealing with this whole forgiveness thing with somebody else or maybe yourself, I think Jesus would challenge us today to see ourselves and to see other people around us through the lens of the gospel. And then I think he would want us today to maybe stop pushing some people off at a distance and maybe view the church and this community and this body of believers as our greatest ally that we can connect with, we can link up with, and truly be stronger and better together. Can I tell you, there have been Sundays I've been to church, and in my own personal life, there was enough stuff going on that it felt like there was a wall between me and God and I couldn't feel his presence and I was having trouble breaking through. But when some of you lifted your hands in worship and when the worship team led us into his presence, uh, your worship has helped break down some walls at times in my own life and all of a sudden I can feel God in a real way. Why? Because I got connected with somebody who would help me during the season of a storm. Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus for the first time. And you're like, I'm not sure I've got any roots at all. Can I tell you, it doesn't take much. It takes just a little bit of faith saying, Jesus, I put my faith in you. I'm putting my trust in you for today and for all of my tomorrows. I want to be who you called me to be. And there's a strength that comes. I'll finish with this quick story. A couple weeks ago, we were out of town and our bushes at our house, our shrubs were just in shambles. So we'd called somebody and it took a while for them to get there, but finally we got on the list and they came out and they planted some trees. I had been gone for 10 days and I came home to my brand new trees and they were dead, all of them. And I called the guy and I was like, hey, new trees, dead. <laughs> He's like, did you water them? I was like, no, man, I've been gone for 10 days. He's like, put a little bit of water. I was like, dead. <laughs> he said, put a little bit of water. So we started watering those trees. 
And guess what? It didn't take long. A couple days, those dead trees popped back to life again. Because there wasn't a problem with how they were planted. And it wasn't a problem with the tree itself. It just needed a little bit of nurture, a little bit of love, a little bit of care, and a little bit of water. And all of a sudden, they could live again. I don't know if you've got relationships or a past or a tree in your life right now that you feel like is dead and gone. But today, through the power of the Holy Spirit with a little bit of water and a little bit of care and a little bit of nurture and a family who's willing to come around you and strengthen you, a tree can live again. Would you stand with me across this building right now? I wonder if you would close your eyes across the room. I, I, I know that I'm, I'm asking you to become vulnerable for a moment, but I wonder right now in this moment with eyes closed across the room, I wonder if I have any Johns in the house, individuals who would say, I know where he was in that moment. I feel what he was feeling in that moment. Anybody here who would slip up a hand right now? Nobody's looking around, eyes closed across the room, hands lifted all over this room. Keep your hand lifted just for a moment. Nobody's looking around. You're here and you're saying, I, I'm living on that side of maybe a little more frustration than faith right now. A whole lot of uncertainty, more questions than answers, more problems than solutions. And I'm just wondering why God and where are you, God? I want to pray for you in this moment. Keep that hand lifted. Father, right now, you see the hands lifted across this room. God, there's people online, no doubt, who are feeling this as well. God, there's so many questions and so much uncertainty. Questions are born in crisis, God. In the last couple of years, seem like they've been an incubator, God, for crisis and questions and uncertainty. And God, perhaps like John, we've lived a portion of our lives dedicated it to you, but in this moment in the prison, in this moment, God, in isolation, God, in this moment, feeling alone and feeling abandoned, we're beginning to question where are you, God, and why, God, in so much uncertainty, God. And in this moment right now, we need to hear your voice. We need to feel your presence. And we just want to know that you're there, that you see us. God, I pray right now through the power of your word this morning, through the atmosphere of the presence that's in this place, God, through the body of believers also who are in this house, God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to somebody's heart right now, and they would get to eavesdrop on your conversation with the multitude, and God, that somebody would leave this moment hearing the words, I love John, I care about John, there's nobody like John, I love my people, I love Storyside, I love this group of people, I see them, everything's going to be all right. God, for somebody here today who's never put their faith in you for the first time, who wants to do that right now, God, I pray for them right now as they trust you with today and all of their tomorrows. God, and they put their faith in you saying, I want to be who God called me to be. I want to trust God. I want to water the tree and see new life come again. I pray for them right now that you would step into their world and help them in this moment. God, all across our country and all across our world in the midst of crisis, God, even in moments where we can't see you, we trust you and know that you are present and that you are there 
and that you love us and that you care for us and that everything's going to be all right. God, we give you praise for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Storyside, would you put your hands together and celebrate everybody who prayed that prayer this morning, every next step that was taken this morning. Can I leave you just with a quick word of encouragement? I read the back of this book, and I know there's uncertainty right now, but we win in the end, and everything's going to be all right. If you believe that, would you lift your hands with the worship team and just thank God for that this morning?